Now today, in the story in Exodus, it actually, I titled this, and I, I planned this message, I don't know, uh, two, three months ago. Today's message is called God's Guidance, which I think is what we need in a moment like this. God's guidance. So we are in Exodus chapter 13 at verse 17, and we're going to read down to the end of the chapter. And and to me, this is an incredible story. It's a story about how God leads. When you were a kid, do you remember playing Follow the Leader? Follow the Leader was one of those games that, that you played as a little kid. In my experience, it wasn't a game that just went on and on and on. It wasn't a game that took up all of recess. You know, generally you followed someone for a few minutes, then maybe a second person, but then it got old pretty quick. And let's face it, a lot of little kids are terrible leaders. I mean, really, you, you get behind them and they don't, you know, the whole group's following them and they turn around and they're like, oh, what, what should I do? And we're like, we don't know, you're the leader. Lead, take us somewhere, do something. And, and that always brought the thing crashing down. But then there were other kids who were the adventurers. And it was, when it was their turn to lead, you never knew where you were going to go. Suddenly, they had this group of kids following, which was a dream come true, and they decided to see how far they could take it. I remember when I was in third grade at a Christian school, there was a troublemaker. You know, they, they show up in Christian school too. And this troublemaker, um, always when he got to be the leader, he led us to places that we weren't allowed to go just to see if we'd follow, and probably to see if maybe having a bunch of people with him would stop him from getting in trouble by going where he wasn't allowed to go. And we would say, hey, we're not allowed to do that. We're not allowed to go in there. And he would say, you have to follow the leader. And so follow the leader got to be a little bit more of a dangerous game when adventurous people led. And everybody had their own leadership style. So today, what I want to talk about and look about is God's leadership style, God's guidance for our lives. As we look at this relatively short passage, I am struck by some things that are typical of how God leads us. And I'm hoping that we can learn how to follow God, how He leads. So let me ask you this morning, are you at a spot in your life where you're looking for God's voice to lead you? You One of those places where you're like, I don't know what to do, then this discussion is for you. If you've ever felt lost, If you've ever been desperate for direction or answers, this is for you. If you've been at that spot where circumstances of life are overwhelming, the situation is too large for any kind of simple, clear answer, and you find yourself crying out to God, God, what do I do? God, lead me. Please guide me. This discussion is for you. Yesterday, we had a wedding out on the beach And one of the things that I always pray at a wedding for a couple is, God, as as they go forward, you be the one who guides their lives. Because I believe it's one of the most powerful things we can pray for any home, for any marriage, that, that God would be the one in charge, that He would be the one that is directing their steps and guiding their course. I believe that that is a maybe the most powerful thing we can ask for any couple, any marriage, any home, any person. And we do that because we say, well, God knows the way. We believe God knows the way. God knows what he's doing, and he's the one who knows the way. But are we sure that God will tell us? Sometimes we wonder, God, you know the way, but please tell me, please tell me, please tell me. I have to beg the right way. I have to beg long enough and hard enough. Show me, please, lead me. And sometimes the problem is not that we don't think God will show us. Sometimes is we're not so sure we want God to be the one in charge of our lives. We would like His power. We would like His blessing. We would like His favor. 
but we don't exactly want him to be in charge. We would like to have at least veto power, if not the power to influence and direct where things go. And so let's read this story because it's a story of a journey, the beginning of a journey that turns out to be much longer than they anticipated. Exodus chapter 13, verse 17, it says this, when Pharaoh let the people go, God did not lead them on the road through the Philistine country, though that was shorter. For God said, if they face war, they might change their minds and return to Egypt. Our story picks up from a few weeks ago, immediately after the Passover, immediately after Pharaoh's order to let Israel go. And now they are beginning their journey. This is not a group of experienced travelers. They have been slaves for centuries. And slaves don't get vacations. They don't go on beach days. They're not like, I mean, I know we've been on lockdown, but we haven't been on Israel slavery in Egypt lockdown. Like they had to ask permission to get out of the country. So they had a whole different experience. So they don't know what this whole thing is travel. They've never been out on a trip at all. And now God is leading them somewhere. And so I want to notice how God leads them. Because I think we can learn how God would lead us if we see how God leads them. And the first thing, and, it, and as I read this passage months ago, the first thing that struck me was God decided not to take the easy way. Did you see that? When Pharaoh let the people go, God did not lead them on the road through Philistine country, though that was shorter. When God led them, he decided not to take the easy way. He opted out of leading them on the shorter path. I mean, this is really an incredible sentiment, an incredible truth in this verse, that God doesn't always lead us on the simple, easy path. And I know that you know that, but I don't know that you know it. Because when the path, when you see a path that seems shorter and easier, and God takes you a different direction, don't you always go, but wait a minute, God. Why don't you just, why can't we just, it's right there. Let's go that way. And what I notice is that this was a specific choice God made. It wasn't a mistake. It wasn't an oversight. It wasn't any kind of evidence that God forgot about them or didn't care about them, which is a lot of times what we think when we're like, well, there's an answer right there. And God says, no, we're going over here. Yeah, but God, don't you care about me? I can all be resolved. It can all be solved. Let's just do that. God says, no, we're going to take a different route. And he specifically takes a different route because the harder route won't wreck his people. That's what he says. The harder route is the route that won't wreck his people. So learn something from this. How many times have you been frustrated? How many times have you felt lost? And it was because you saw an easy way and it didn't seem like God would allow you to go the easy way. It didn't seem like God would bring the easy way that you could figure out how can God not figure this out. So so grab this truth. Hold on to this truth. God doesn't always lead you through the easiest way because it would destroy you. That is powerful. That changes a lot about our questions with God. We get so flippant. Oh God, why don't you this and why don't you that? And let me, let me pray so I can suggest to God the right answer and hope that he agrees. If God takes you down a path and doesn't take you down a path that looks easier, it's because what looks easier would be devastating to your soul. How many times do we feel like we can't find the way and it's because we assume God would lead us through ways that are simpler and easier so we keep looking over there? 
If I had a map in front of you, I could show you where that, that, that land through the Philistine is. It's a very short journey right up the edge of the Mediterranean Sea. But instead, God takes them due east out into the wilderness, out into the desert. He takes them away that is much harder, that doesn't seem to have an easy end game to it. When God does that in our lives, we get discouraged. We wonder if God cares about us, if God is interested in leading us, because why not that way? And so God leads often in ways that are less easy, less short, that are harder, more struggle, less clear where they're leading. So we can learn God often chooses the way we need more than the way we want. God often chooses the way we need more than the way we want. And if we'll trust Him, God, you know the right way and you're doing the right thing, then God will guide our lives exactly how we need in ways that we would have never been able to see And sometimes, even after they're over, we're still not able to see. But if we can see by faith, what we can see is that God chose it because it was better somehow. And we know His heart. We know His his love for us, His watch care over us. We know He doesn't take us down paths that are detrimental to us while leaving aside paths that would be better for us. And so we can trust that God's path is right even when it isn't the easier path, even when it isn't the faster path. We can trust that God has the right pace. God has the right timing. God has the right path for us. And God says, I'm going to take them down this road, not the shorter road, I'm going to take them out to the desert because if they face war, they might change their minds and return to Egypt. Now, I don't know if that strikes you, but what? Really? I mean, how much did God do to free them from slavery? And how awful were their lives back in slavery? I wonder when I read that verse, how is that even possible what God predicts? That if they face war, they're going to run back. I mean, wouldn't your first weeks and months of freedom be the best weeks and months of your life? Wouldn't you be like, this is amazing. This is incredible. We don't have to get up in the morning and go build bricks and and buildings and things for other people. We don't have to face the, the whip on our backs. Wouldn't that be awesome? How could anyone complain about that? Well, we're about to get our answer as the story goes on. But unfortunately, we don't sit on a high horse. We're about to see ourselves in Israel. And what we find is it doesn't take a war to discourage this group. It takes much, much less. If you're discouraged right now, I can tell you this. It doesn't only discourage you when things are really, really hard. We get discouraged at much less, don't we? Things that that we take to heart, things that, that frustrate us, things that overwhelm us. And it doesn't take years. It's a surprisingly fast track for them from freedom to complaint. I mean, they're about to get to the Red Sea, and when they get to the Red Sea, they're going to complain. God freed them, and the next, like within a few verses, within a few weeks, they're like, God, how could you do this to us? It's a very short path when we don't trust God from freedom to complaint. But notice how God, the all-knowing God, comments on his newly freed people. He isn't like, oh, these people, why did I even save them? They are so awful. If they face war, they're just going to give up and go home. I don't even know why I care about them. He doesn't say that. What he says is, I'm going to take care of them. 
He doesn't say it with disappointment or judgment. He just gives an honest assessment of their ability to withstand a trial like a battle with the Philistines. Certainly, God could have wiped out the enemy, the Philistines, but he had determined that that was not just. And so, in view of the known responses of his people, he patiently leads them through a harder, longer road. And what you'll see as we go forward in the story is, not only does he lead them on a longer, harder road, he pays the bills on the longer, harder road. He provides food for them and water for them and and takes care of them day and night. So here's something we can learn about God's guidance. The Lord has not forgotten you on the longer, harder road. If you are right now on a longer, harder road, God has not forgotten you. You are there because the easier road would destroy you. God sees you. He's taking you there because He loves you. He knows the shorter and easier road would be devastating, and He cares too much to let that happen. All right, let's keep going. Verses 18 down to 20 says this, So God led the people around by the desert road toward the Red Sea. The Israelites went up out of Egypt ready for battle. Moses took the bones of Joseph with him because Joseph had made the Israelites swear an oath. He had said, God will surely come to your aid, and then you must carry my bones up with you from this place. After leaving Succoth, they camped at Etham on the edge of the desert. The concern about Israel turning back was not the only reason God took them this way. He was concerned about them facing war and turning back. But as you get as a glimpse here, God led them around by the desert road toward the Red Sea. God's deliverance was going to continue. Looking back on the story, we know, and the original readers of the story, as Moses wrote it, would know that this journey led to the Red Sea and ended, this this part of the journey ended in an amazing miracle at the Red Sea. This is one of those spots where faith is your friend a powerful ally when you are discouraged, when you are feeling overwhelmed, when you are feeling worn out, when you are feeling weak. When God leads you down the harder, longer road, when God leads you down the desert road toward the Red Sea, it isn't because He doesn't care, and it isn't because He's just saying, well, you're too weak for the easier road. He has a greater deliverance down the desert road than down the easy road. God is bringing them to a place of power, to a pace of miracles, an event so incredible it defies explanation. Israel walks through the Red Sea on dry ground, and Pharaoh's army behind them is destroyed by the hand of God. It is a deliverance so complete and so overwhelming and so unexpected and so unforeseen that it echoes through all of Israel's history. Parting of the Red Sea, God's freedom for this nation. God's power down the harder road formed a nation devoted to God. One of the reasons we are reading the Word of God today is because the nation that God formed through these events were entrusted with God's Word and they preserved it and they copied it and they passed it along from generation to generation so that we have it today. Without the events of the Exodus, without the events of the plagues and the Passover, God's nation is informed and they, don't, and they are not entrusted with the Word of God and we don't have the Word of God today. The road that God picked seemed harder and longer, but God knew it would take them to a greater deliverance than they had ever seen. And they had seen some pretty big deliverance, freedom from slavery, but the deliverance at the Red Sea made all of that look so much smaller. 
because an entire army, weaponized and ready, one of the most powerful armies in the world at that time, was defeated by a bunch of refugees who really had no weapons and no training and were trapped on the edge of a sea. It was an absolute, utter certainty that they would be wiped out and destroyed until God showed a greater deliverance than anyone could imagine. Then there's this comment about Joseph's bones, and that can seem a little disconnected. So let me just make a comment about that before we get to the last thing I want to say. This, this thing about Joseph's bones is the last chapter of Genesis when, when uh, Abraham, Isaac, Jacob, Jacob's son Joseph is dying. He's the one who became the second in command in Egypt. As he's dying, he makes his family promise that when you go back to the land that God gave Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob, when you go back take my remains with you. You have to swear, take my remains with you. And the effect of that was through centuries, parents repeated this on to their kids. It was a way to concrete and cement into their souls that God one day was going to take them home, that there was a promise and they were believing it and they needed to pass it on from generation to generation because someone was going to need to know when God did this, you need to go get Joseph and you need to take him And so now Moses describes how God did what they for centuries had been saying that he was going to do. God came through on his promise. After 400 years, 400 years of repeating the promise, then God did exactly what Joseph said he was going to do. Then God took them out of Egypt and back to the promised land. The carrying of those bones is a reminder to this nation that what they are experiencing now is the promise that God had given centuries before. Church, how we pass on faith matters. How we talk about the promises of God matters. How we remember the promises of God, the heart of God matters. Israel had some mechanisms so that they would remember, so that they would pass on their faith. We have some, and maybe there are better ones that we should come to, but we are constantly looking at how do we pass on our faith to the generations that come behind us. So how does God lead? What kind of leader is He? He is a leader who takes you to the miracle you need over the ease that you want. He is a God who will take you by a path that seems harder than necessary because it's absolutely the only way to do what God has in his heart for you. He is a leader that guides you into what will fulfill his great promises, no matter how long they take to come to pass. 400 years. All right, let's leave the rest. Last two verses of this chapter, 21 and 22, and I think this is another thing we can learn about how God leads. By day, the Lord went ahead of them in a pillar of cloud to guide them on their way, and by night, in a pillar of fire to give them light so that they could travel by day or night. Neither the pillar of cloud by day nor the pillar of fire by night left its place in front of the people. I called this section tailored leading. God led them in a way that was designed for them. What you can learn about that is that God designs his leading specifically for you. The way God leads in your life will reflect how well he knows you. It may not and often doesn't match up to the way he leads in others' lives because you're you. And God knows your makeup. He knows your vulnerabilities. He knows your past. He knows your hurts. And so when he steps in to lead you, he will make it clear to you 
what you are supposed to do. Sometimes you get frustrated because you talk to other people and you're like, this is what God's leading me to do. They're like, that sounds dumb. And you're like, but I think it's what God's leading me to do. And they're like, I don't think so. It's because God's not leading them. He's leading you. And we need to learn how to understand God knows us and he knows how to get through to us. So we designed this method of leading to a large crowd so it fit the large crowd. A bunch of people who were not travelers, not used to being on their own. God gave them one clear, visible indication of where to go and when to stop. All of them could see it, up to millions of them looking. How do we know where to go? How do we know when to go? How do we know when to stop? Right there. So simple. A sign of God's power, a sign of God's presence, a sign of God's wisdom that he designed his leading of this group that didn't probably even know how to follow to be so simple that all of them could get it. Even the kids, where are we supposed to go? Well, there's the cloud. God designed his leading for them and God made sure it was clear. It's probably a practical thing too. Being visible would fully assure his people of his presence. During the daytime, it was a cloud so it could be seen. At night, probably harder to see a cloud, so it was fire. Maybe it was practical in terms of being shade during the day. Maybe it was warmth and light at night, like a divine HVAC system. But God's guidance for them was designed specifically for them, was designed to make his purpose and plan clear in their lives, just like his guidance is designed to make it clear for you. The last thing is that God's guidance is gentle. He leads gently. I'm not saying always soft or easy, but always with care for our limitations. In the wilderness, he leads in line with their weaknesses, with their vulnerability, with their inexperience. They're not a group of warriors, but they have a bunch of stuff that was given to them. They could be easy prey for people coming around, and yet there's a divine cloud ahead of them. You think that might have scared off some marauding hordes who heard stories about the plagues in Egypt and an army drowned in the sea. That it was clear God was with them and so God was being gentle with them. He was protecting them. They didn't have the kind of relationship with the Lord that God wanted them to have so he helped them see him. They helped them follow him. He gave them baby steps. And in just a few short weeks they're about to face down Pharaoh's army again as well as other hardships. So God's building into them the assurance that he is with them and he would take care of them. So church, what can we learn about God's leading style? God led in line with their need. They needed to know where to go. A crowd the size that they were moving could be paralyzed trying to communicate information. No walkie-talkies or smartphones or anything like that. So trying to get that information out could paralyze them. God led in line with their need. They needed to know where to go so they could move as one. He led clearly. There was no question of stopping or going, turning or going straight. God showed them clearly. And God will lead you clearly. It may be down roads you're not even looking at, but he will be clear with you if you are ready to follow him. And God led even here just with the next step. He didn't give them the whole roadmap. They may not have known why they were going down a desert road. They may not have known they were going back to Mount Sinai to meet with the living God. They didn't give them the whole roadmap but they knew where to go next. Maybe the reason you feel paralyzed is because you don't know where it's all going. 
But as God showed you where to go next, go there. Let God lead you step by step. Maybe you've been looking for God's leading and this helps you see it. God will lead clearly. God will give you a next step. God understands you. He knows how to guide you. He wants you to know his way. And so trust him. He will give you just the next step a lot more often than he's going to give you the whole roadmap because it's all about knowing how to trust him. But more than that, and this is, this is the thought I want you to take with you, God's guidance is almost always more about his presence in your life than where you're going. You go back to Psalm 23 and he says, I will go with you even into the valley of the shadow of death. I know that you are with me. David says, it's not about where I'm going, it's about who's going with me. God's guidance at times can feel uncertain, but understand that that uncertainty, that that open question, that unanswered tension is not about do you know where you're going, it's about do you know who's going with you. God's presence was visible to them in a cloud. I sometimes wish it was that visible to us. But believers, they didn't have the Spirit of God living in them. We do. God is present with you. And right now, He is ready to guide your life if you are ready to let Him. I pray in times like this, in a world that is in complete upheaval, in so many questions about what to do and how to answer it, that we would be people devoted to saying, God, you guide my steps. When I take a wrong step, and we will, God, you guide me back to where you wanted me to go in the first place. If I mess up, you'll show me, but I will keep my eyes on you. Lead and direct my life. God, I want you in charge. I pray, people of God, that's who we will be. Let's close our service with a word of prayer. Put this before the Lord. Father, right now, I know there are people who have been overwhelmed. They've been watching news. They've been trying to figure out how to make a difference in this world, how to make things better, how to be a part. They're frustrated because they're, they're seeing things and they're saying, maybe that, maybe that, maybe that. And, and we're starting to learn how to respond to all the, the suggestions around us. But what we need is to learn how to stop from that and say, God, guide my steps. If it's the place I want to go, I will go there. If it's the place I don't want to go, I will go there. If it's waiting when I want to go, I will wait. If it's going when I'd rather stay still, I will go. Father, you be the one guiding and directing us. And right now, I pray that your spirit would speak to your people, that you would be the God who guides us in the coming days, that our testimony as a church and as the people of God would be that we know how to wait for you, that we will follow you anywhere, that we are ready for your spirit to fall, to fill our lives, to fill our church, to fill this world, to turn things upside down, for your kingdom to come, for your will to be done. So Father, our eyes are on you. Every soul that is willing, I pray that you will lead and guide them with your power, with your clarity, with your love, with your kindness, with your gentleness for them. Encourage our hearts, speak to us, and let us bring glory to your name. God, we pray these things. We give these things to you in the name of Jesus. For it's in his name we pray. Amen. Amen. Thank you, church family. We look forward to seeing you here next Sunday.